are listening to the Forge by Food podcast. Starting in 3, 2, 1. Okay, let's go! What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Forge by Food podcast. I'm going to be honest and say I have no idea what episode we're on. This corona done got me all jacked up. 33. 33. Yeah, we both said it. Yeah, last week we uh, had a little week off. We put out an episode of uh, a podcast that I had done with um, the Blacklisted Voice on um, just kind of my fitness journey. So if you haven't listened to that, you can go back and listen to it, how the gym was started, all that good stuff. Um, and another week before, apologize. I don't really know what happened to our audio, but um, apparently it was really bad. So sorry about that. Um, hopefully this week will sound a lot better. So before we get into today's episode, uh, as always, one of our sponsor for today and always is Forged by Food. Um, Forged by Food is not only a podcast, it's a nutrition coaching company. And in this time when you are stuck at home and no idea what to eat, or you're grabbing those munchies or those Butterfingers, blizzards, and all that type stuff, then uh, now's the time to hire a nutrition coach. Um, we can help you through this time and maybe get you on track, getting you to not eat Butterfinger blizzards. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. That is so good. I had a, it's my uh, favorite FYI. So I, it was, I made it work. I'll, I'll throw that out first, but I had a Reese's fast break the other day. Have you ever had one? No. Oh, someone had told me about them. That was the first time I'd Wait, ever had one. Talking about the bar? Yeah. Okay, no. Okay, yeah, I'd never had one. And they're like, oh, fast breaks are the best. And I didn't even know what it was. And uh, so I went and I looked. And it was by Reese's. And you can't beat a Reese's, like, just buttercup. No, yeah, I mean, Reese's is definitely by far the best. I was like, why would you buy a different product from Reese's than just a Reese's cup? And I had the fast break. And it was pretty good. So you're saying I need to go get a fast break? Yeah. Okay. I might switch back and forth between the fast breaks and the Reese Buttercups. I just thought of that because you threw out Butterfinger, yeah. which used to be one of my favorite candy bars. Man, Butterfinger Blizzard, like if you were to put, if calories did not count and I could just eat whatever I wanted and I just didn't care anymore, Butterfinger Blizzard, I'd have one every day. Like if you could get jacked off of anything <sighs> possible. Butterfinger be, Blizzard. Butterfinger. Or if they made a protein powder that was Butterfinger Blizzard. Now that would be Oh, legit. I wonder if they would taste good, though. I don't you know. You could freeze it, too. I don't know. But I know that's like um, growing up, like that was the the thing. Uh, and then they stopped, some places stopped making Butterfinger Blizzards, and they only did the Reese's Cup ones. Everybody, if they listen to this, they're going to be going to get Butterfinger Blizzards. <laughs> drive through. Just, well, they can't. Everything's closed. Yeah. Drive through only. Because <laughs> that's your only option, was to uh, drive through and get something out of the out of the window because you can't go into places to eat. That's right. So before we get in today, um, obviously probably everybody's tired of hearing about Corona, but it's part of life right now. So um, what was uh, what's the silver lining that you've got out of this thing? Um, well, I mean, there I, I can look at a bunch of them if we want to go funny. Uh, I'd run into Walmart today. Yeah. And I saw like 10 people. Yeah. It was amazing. Like I walked in. I got what I we'll do. We'll go top three. It. Top three. So that's one. Okay. Walmart's one. Um, you go in, you went in there and there's nobody there. No one. It was, I mean, well, there were, but it was all the people that shouldn't have been in there. Was there a woman walking around without her shoes on? I didn't see her. Man, that's like, 
if you don't go into Seneca Walmart and the woman doesn't have her shoes on, like some woman in there walking around with her shoes off, then you have failed today because oh, that's typically what happens. That's usually what happens. Silver lining number two, and it's one that has uh, been highly helped out by the weather we've been having, which has been absolutely beautiful, is just like getting outside, but also seeing everyone else get outside. So uh, families are going outside and they're playing and they're doing all this other stuff possibly because parents are home right now Mm -hmm. and their kids are home because they don't have school. And I think the parents are about to kill the kids, No doubt. but I've seen lots and lots of people who usually don't hike or usually don't really do any of that. They're like going on hikes and stuff like that right now. So that's been pretty cool just to see. And hopefully after this thing, they'll be like, Oh, that was really fun. And they'll continue doing. So I have seen more activity outside because of the Rona Um, and silver lining. Number three, I think just being like looking back and hoping for when things get back to normal, realizing that like when things are normal and you want to complain about something, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, no doubt. Just realizing like, uh, oh man, I'm sorry. But like, you know, if, even if I go to working, I would take like 20 people coming into a class right now where usually I'm like, oh my gosh, the class has 20 people in it. This is packed. I'm just going to be a babysitter and make sure people don't kill themselves. Whereas like right now, if you said 25 people can come in the gym and work out right now, I'd be like, yes, yeah. I don't have to just like talk to them over a computer or something like that. So, you know, looking back to what I used to not complain about, but 25 people walk in and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to modify this workout right now because we can't run 25 people through the workout to whereas like if that happened right now, I would be pumped. Yeah, I agree with with all three of those um especially the walmart one yeah especially the walmart (laughs) one but uh i would say mine i live like 30 minutes from the gym so it's been really nice to uh when i do come to the gym it's like there's no traffic um no one's on the road so typically um we're in a rural town and i usually get behind like six farmers um some tractors and even though it says 55 miles per hour they do 35 it's like i don't understand that ever like why are we going 35 miles an hour when it says 55 but for whatever reason they're just out for a sunday cruise every day of the week um so it's been nice just to not have as much traffic on the roads even though i say that and like we're not from atlanta or something like that where people are like yeah shut up (laughs) um but around our town that's a big thing um the second thing uh, similar to what you said i think it was it's just um it's time with family uh that's been kind of good just you know, and realizing that, you know, like typically for me, especially, um, I get up in the mornings, I take my daughter to school, she's at school all day, I pick her up, I come back to the gym, I train classes, I go home, typically, you know, she's, uh, if during the day, she's either goes home with my wife after school and is with her, or she is um, here in the front room, and not really with me, because I'm coaching classes, and, you know, being an entertainer and the fact that I'm a coach and I can't really have the time to talk to her uh, and then be having to go home. Um, and by the time we get home and eat and all that good stuff, we maybe have a conversation at dinner and then it's time for her to go to bed. And then we repeat that process pretty much every day of the week. And so it's been nice to uh, spend some time with her, uh, spend some time with my wife being um, off work and that type of thing. And, um, you know, just, whether it's the last like last week we painted a deck 
and I've taught my daughter how to like paint. She really wanted to learn how to paint. So it was like just some time. That time you get together was yeah. we typically don't have. So that's been nice. Uh, that's our, that's my second one. Um, and I'm I'm completely drawn. What was your third one? Because I said you stole it. From Mine me. was people coming to the gym. Yeah. Um, <coughs> well, just it's more not necessarily the people coming to the gym. That's too, but just kind of the things that you take for granted that you realize. It's you know in America we I think we are so spoiled that we don't we take so many things for granted and like when things are taken away from you you really realize like how important those things are so even just the freedom that you have every day it's like it's crazy man and then all of a sudden people are like you know stay home you can't do this you can't do that you can't do this you can't do that and it's like holy crap like this is what people live like in like communist countries and like socialist com- countries and yeah. that's how they live every day. Yeah. I was thinking actually when I was in Walmart, my thought went to like, you would see someone go to grab something and there was like an employee that came right behind them and wiped stuff off. And then it was, they're like monitoring everything that you get and all this other stuff. And that was exactly my thought was, uh, so if y'all didn't listen to like episode number two or three, I completely bit butchered some history. Uh, so mm-hmm. you wouldn't know this, but, I was a social studies teacher for a few years, and um, one of the things I liked was, like, World War II era type stuff. But East Berlin turned into a communist, socialist, whatever you want to call it, country. There we go. I just butchered it again. Um, After World War II, and everything was dictated to what they could do. And, like, they all had the same cars, and grocery stores had the same products, and it was, like, very controlled, everything. And when I was in Walmart, that's what it felt like. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, is this what life would be like? Mm. And it, was, it, it wasn't it was pleasant as far as, like, just looking around and seeing how everything was going. And it almost felt very drab. Like, no one talked to anyone. Everyone was wearing masks and, like, gloves and the whole social distancing. Like, it just seemed weird, weird and, like, people were Scary. scared of people. Scary, yeah. Um, Whereas I was like, yeah, I'll just go walk. But and I saw someone. I was looking to get like uh, some milk or something like that. And I was looking, and there was someone standing like eight feet away from me, looking at the milk thing. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And I took like four steps away, and they walked over and grabbed the milk and walked away. And uh, you know, typically they would just walk over, be like five inches away from me, grab a milk, and walk off. And so it, it is kind of weird. Like people are afraid of people right now. Um, yeah, this is our podcast, so we can talk about whatever we want to talk about. Um, <laughs> but, you know, thinking about history, thinking about how countries became socialist countries, such as under Hitler, under uh, uh, what was the other uh, big communist country? There's that, been a bunch. Or dictatorships. Uh, so Italy, anyone that really we fought in World War II, yeah. you can use. So how did they gain control? Oh, it's through the people. Yeah. But I mean, and through fear. Yeah. And so, like, World War II, you know, Hitler gained control by making everyone afraid of, of the Jews. Yeah. So. In that one. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've been thinking about that Which too. Which is crazy to think about. Like, yeah. what? So, like, Hitler became in control and became the dictator that he was by creating fear, creating panic, and creating security. Of a false thing. Yeah. Creating security. Of something that people were afraid of and said, hey, you will be fine if you put your trust in me 
and I can protect you against this thing, yeah. whatever this thing <laughs> is. And it's scary to think, like, we're sitting here. I mean, I'm using not a conspiracy theorist, but kind of crazy that, like, all these numbers are coming out. We're, you know, uh, a couple weeks into this thing, and, and these numbers, they started at, like, 1 million to 2 million people dying, and then they went down to, like, 100 to 200,000, and now they're coming out saying they came out and said 60,000, and they came out a couple days later and said, well, it's going to be less than that by August, but they had said, like, by April 15th we're going to have 100,000, and you're like – you're starting to do the math here and all this, all the uh, things are going, wait a second. We just crashed our entire economy. And not that 60,000 people dying is not a big thing, but if you put it in relation uh, of what happens in the United States, just in general, it's not that 60,000 is not that much more severe than a typical uh, severe flu season. Yeah. And I don't know what those numbers are, like how many people die from the flu each year. Um, but the the other thing that, like, today, same thing is I had to go to Walmart, turn something in, and then go to Home Depot to mm. pick something up. That was pretty much the same thing, but it was a better deal at Home Depot. So I walked in there, and uh, apparently they're doing this, what is it, five people per thousand square feet thing? Yeah, it's like 20% occupancy. And so when I walked in, someone was like, what number was that? And she said 28. And they're like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. And the lady said uh, – that I guess it was the head lady. She was like, well, it's 28 more people than should be around here. And in my head, I was like, just thinking about that too, is that was the fear. I was like, there's 28 people in here. And I wanted to like go up to her and ask her, like, do you personally know anyone who's had this? Is everything that you're basing this off of, like what you're hearing in the news and stuff like that. And then even the top health people like they're so wishy-washy it's like a nutrition thing where you know a few years back they said fat was bad for you now fat's good for you Mm. and do the keto and all this other stuff and you know a few weeks ago masks and gloves don't help now we're in this week you need to wear masks and gloves so everything's going around and part of it is we don't really know part of it is what you just said we could some people are going to make the argument of the reason the number keeps on dropping is because they're putting these restrictions on us and so they're going to say oh well two million people would have died and we're not going to see that number now because we did quarantine people and now there's less people going around in public which maybe that's the case and it would have saved people is it going to save a difference of one million nine hundred thousand and forty or nine hundred and forty thousand people? I don't think it's that much of a difference. So, and people are still getting it right now too. That's mm. the thing. Is like um, you were talking about Chris Spieler the other day, and his whole family's gotten it. And in no way did he say it wasn't a big deal. Like he was talking about how it wasn't a fun thing to have. Um, but yeah, people are still getting it. But I don't, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not anything like that. Yeah, this is all our opinions. I just really feel like what we're doing to try to fix this thing is causing a way worse problem than if we would have said, okay, nursing homes are closed to everyone. If you're in a nursing home, no one can come visit you. And so quarantine those people. Uh, Kids don't seem to be very susceptible to it unless they have a pre- uh, or an underlying condition don't let those kids go to school let all the other kids go to school and they're going to get it but that's what happens with the flu 
I mean, that's not a bad thing to say, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Like, kids are going to get it. They're going to pass it on. Half of them are going to be asymptomatic. The other ones are going to cough a little bit. Um, so me looking at this thing, we could have blown this over in like four to six weeks just by saying 90% of the population go out. Keep your daily lives. Mm-hmm. The people who have an underlying issue that could cause this to be bad we're going to quarantine those 10 percent and in eight weeks everyone will have had this disease everyone will have gotten over it no one will be asymptomatic anymore and now no one's going to carry it because a virus once you've had it you can't all other viruses you don't get it again unless it turns into a new strand yeah unfortunately we'll never know well it's kind of all the hypothesis this, this this time but I, the only thing i would say on, on the models thing is from what i've i've seen is that uh most of the models they originally predicted the two million people that was already factored in with social distancing so either from uh we were better at social distancing than they originally thought in the model um or our healthcare system is better than they thought in the model or it wasn't quite as contagious and or deadly as they thought originally. So I don't know. Um, it's all, you know, looking back now, I just know that there's all, you know, I think as of today, which is like the ninth, um, there's like 14 million unemployed people. Um, there's no telling how many businesses that have closed their doors. There's no telling the economic social impact that this is going to have for the next three to five years on us. So, uh, or longer, I don't know, 10 years. And, uh, you know, the virus, uh, I wonder, and I, I think that, you know, my personal opinion that the aftermath of this thing is going to be much, much worse than the virus yes. itself. Yeah. So, but we'll see. Um, I will keep, you know, keep all the people and the families. I mean, you know, death's never a good thing. And, um, anybody's lost somebody to this, you know, I, I know it's rough. Um, and you never like to have to make that. Uh, assumption but we you know we don't stop driving cars um we don't stop um because of the flu season we don't stop because of people um shooting each other like you know i think one of the comments that somebody made was like well you can't if you're uh it's no different than you know heart disease chronic disease because you can't give that to the people it's like true but you didn't stop driving your car because you could kill somebody yeah. driving. Um, well, the big one I look at is, and I saw it today, smoking in public. Mm. And so that's one that immediate effect, right? So it would be like a contagious type thing. If I have someone walking in front of me that's smoking in public, I am getting secondhand smoke immediately. Um, and that is, you know, that does affect your health. Now, if you only are behind one person and it's, you know, it's very, very, very minuscule, but it is affecting my health. If you're living be, in a home with a, the mom that right. smokes and you're chilling as a son yep. or daughter and, and they smoke have, inside the house. Yeah, and you have no option but to live with them. Um, so there are other things that you kind of can equate it to where someone doing that does immediately affect you. And it's not a, like smoking is not a virus. Smoking we could easily get rid of right now mm-hmm. and we could make it illegal um, because that one is shown that one person smoking people around them are affected by it and so that's one that i was thinking about the other day that it's like all right we're not letting people be around people because if you have the virus it can spread yeah all right well if you think of something that works the same way i was thinking like i said smoking and 
in my mind, I was like, well, that needs to be made illegal because that immediately you affects people, people around you. Yep. And that's also something that's going to cause any of these viruses to come around, make you more susceptible to the virus. Yep. So not only is it bad for you and bad for others around you, it's also creating underlying issues that are going to make these things that we're going through right now worse. I agree. Um, but... I don't know what, what time frame you're on, if you don't, uh, or how long we've been talking about this, but if you don't want to listen to two people who work yeah, in the gym talk about corona. I was going to say, skip, skip to, to minute 20, because we are on minute 20. <laughs> the first 20 minutes of this was us just talking about corona again. We'll, we'll put but that in the notes. <laughs> we actually are going to continue to talk about it a little bit, because uh, we know people are stuck at home. Um, we know people are not able to go to their gyms right now. Um, a lot of our members listen to this, you know, or maybe you're not a, m- a member and you're stuck at home and um, you go to a Globo gym or you go to another gym and uh, you're like, man, I'm going crazy or I don't want to lose my gains. My G-A-N or G-I-N-S, whatever you want to say it. Z G G A I N Z. There we go. Because I want gains, not gains. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Like, how do you gain muscle or build muscle or and or keep muscle and or uh, maybe uh, look better naked when you are stuck at home with very minimal um, equipment? And so uh, I know a lot of you guys, if you like our gym, you know, we're doing Zoom classes, uh, which has, you know, I can a lot of like, quote unquote, CrossFit style movements, but you don't have the heavy barbell. Um, and I think a lot of people are getting like afraid because they're like, wow, I don't want to lose my strength or I don't lose my gains. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about today is like, one, like what are the different ways that you actually do maintain muscle or gain muscle and then ways that you can do that at home that might be different right now with uh, the fact that you don't have or have minimal equipment. Yeah. And even though both of us are working out of a gym right now, um, we're not actually touching a barbell, really, yeah, very, little. Uh, very little. So, you know, with all this as going on, um, don't think, oh, well, they're in the gym. They can do whatever they want. So I think easy way to talk about it is we both have kind of right now the same principles that we're doing for how are we lifting to maintain the muscle we have. Um, but our workouts look a little bit different. So I think if you explain kind of your workout, I'll explain my workout. And we could just do the workouts we did today, why they worked. Um, you're going to see two different styles of working out, but the principles of what we're doing are the well, exact same. Before we do that, let's, let's – because there's um, – and this will make – I think we if we do this at the end, this what we're talking about will make more sense. So let's explain, like, how do you – what are the mechanisms to be able to – gain muscle and or main uh maintain muscle and so most people are very familiar with the first one which is going to be the principle of overload and that just basically means you're taking a barbell you're putting on your back you're putting a lot of weight on it and you're doing it for either more reps or more load each week yeah so let's take travis for example let's say this week he does three sets of 10 back squat at 225 it's kind of hard he struggles through it not too bad next week he either does three sets of 11 at 225 or he does four sets of 10 at uh, 225 or he does three sets of 10 at 330 or 235. And so each week he would progressively overload his body 
and a rep range that would allow him to uh, gain muscle, which if you go back and listen to our prior podcast, there's somewhere most of the time uh, muscle building happens between reps number six through infinity. Um, and so th- anything below six, you're probably looking for like muscle strength, but we're not talking about that right this second. We're wanting um, muscle in, uh, hypertrophy. Anything normally above like, the 20, 20 to 25, it becomes muscle somewhere endurance. Yeah. Um, so that's <clears throat> principle of overload. That's the first way. Uh, the second way is going to be what they call metabolic stress. Metabolic stress is like when it's typically how you gain muscle with like CrossFit. So let's say you've got a workout where it's got wall balls and, um, you know, it's 20 wall balls, I don't know, a row, and then 20 lunges. So in that me- uh, mechanism, you're going for as many rounds as you can. Let's say it's 20 wall balls. What did I say? Lunges? 20. Rowing and lunges. Yeah, it's 25 lunges and then rowing. So you're constantly moving there, but you are creating what they call metabolic adaptation to the the muscle, which is forcing it to, um, I'm trying to think of an an easy layman's way to to put it, but uh, it's uh, fatiguing to a point where adaptation has to happen. Right. Um, And that's called a metabolic stress. And the last one is going to be tempo, all right, or uh, using a – uh, the same deal. It's like metabolic stress, but it's adding a tempo to the the lift. So we take Travis's three sets of ten back squat, and we put it at let's say he only has 135 pounds. He does not have uh, 225, so we can overload the muscle by putting uh, a tempo in there, where now he's going down for 10 seconds to the bottom, and then he stands up quickly, or maybe he comes up for five. So he adds 15 seconds of time under tension, and he does that for three sets of 10 at 135. And then maybe next week he does the same thing, but he does 11 seconds or, or something like that. So that would be where we would say eccentric or loading the muscle over, and I guess you would call that time, or time under tension, not necessarily um, tempo. But um, So that's the, the three main ways that you would typically see somebody in a – um, scenario be able to build quote-unquote muscle yeah and the the big thing is your body no matter what you're doing wants to make this stuff that you're doing as easy as possible mm-hmm. and that's why it's adapting to it so that's why all of these base around the principle of overload which means every week no matter which one you pick is going to have to overload a little bit more so and you can switch them interchangeably. You do time under tension type workouts for three weeks, and then you change if you have the weights. You go to heavier weights, and then uh, if you have you know the ability to do it, then you go to more uh, Metcon style things. And you could do three weeks of one, three weeks of another, three weeks of another, and keep it on a cycle like that. And you're going to see increases as you go, um, and that's going to keep your body. It's going to start getting better at time under tension. So week one, you do time under tension. You take, let's say, three seconds down, come up one second at the top, back down three seconds. After 10 reps, you're about to die. Um, You're breathing really hard. The next day, you wake up and you got the water walks. The second week you do it, it's not going to be nearly as bad. By the Mm -hmm. third week, your soreness is almost going to be gone. And if you're listening to this and you come to our gym, uh, what was it, two months ago, we did the 20-rep back squat program. Week number one, people were trashed. Like, they could not walk for days. Week number two, they're like, oh, yeah, my legs hurt, but it's okay. Week number three, 
by the day after they were a little bit sore, but they're like, Oh man, this isn't bad anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so your body starts to adapt to things. And that's not saying that you have to be sore to get gains out of something. But what that is showing is that there is adaptation. If there wasn't every time they did that 20 rep back squat program, they wouldn't be able to walk for three days the correct way. And so what you can do is you can assess that. And as you start getting better and better and adapting to something, there's going to be a time where you kind of hit this level where you can't get, you can't continue to progress. So if we take my 225 back squat for 10, maybe I get 225 for 10 then next week, 235 for 10, then next week, 245, and then I go for 250 and I can't do 10. All right, now I've kind of hit this plateau point. So now maybe I switch my programming up to something that's more intense for a little while and then come back to that and maybe make a couple more jumps. Yeah. Um, but the, the big thing there is that you do want to, all of those are underlied by um, the, the first one, which is progressive overloading. Yeah, and so now you're at home. You don't have a heavy barbell, uh, which is typically how you would see in, in most strength and conditioning gyms or CrossFit gyms and all like that. That's how we're going to gain. Um, typically, with muscle hypertrophy, is going to be put a bar barbell in your hands, put a set of dumbbells in your hand, and go to an overload scenario. You don't have that at home. So, a um, couple ways that we, you know you can um, going through that, knowing now kind of the principles behind it. We can go through our workouts and kind of what we are after per se, and then how that equates to um, you me you being at home right now. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you can go ahead through your first. All right. So uh, I'm doing a couple different things. One, uh, one of the things that you mentioned was look better naked. Yeah. Uh, and have maintain your muscles. So right now I'm not like thinking I'm going to be building much muscle. So I want to maintain the amount of muscle I have. I'm going to hopefully at the end of this thing look like I'm building muscle because I'm doing it through a cut as well. Mm. So when I started this, if, you know, if I had 20% body fat, if I finish my cut, keep about the same amount of muscle and I weigh 10 pounds less, all of a sudden that muscle is going to be much more visible and it's going to be like, oh man, you you look like you built muscle. Not really. I just took some of the fat off of mm -hmm. it. So now you can see that muscle underneath it. So during this time, I don't have the heavy weights. I don't have all that. So it was a time for me that I was like, okay, I can do a cut during this time and uh, go that way. So that's the first thing I'm doing. Second thing that I'm doing is <clears throat> I'm taking the workouts and I'm putting intensity into them. And so instead of doing three sets of 10 and I get on my phone after each set and text people and look at Instagram videos. Metabolic stress. Yes. And do all that, which is what you might see in like a Globo gym. A lot of times you go in and if you are trying to get strength that is needed to actually take rest in between sets, our weight isn't heavy enough that we need those big rests. Um, so like if I take today's workout, for example, um, I did shoulder press with dumbbells until like one or maybe two reps before failure where I wasn't going to be able to do another one. I put them down. Um, and the only reason I put them down was because to do the next exercise, which doesn't seem shouldery until you've blown up your shoulders. Um, I did front rack walking lunges with the dumbbells. Uh, so I did 20 of them or 30 of them. And the reason I did those first was because I didn't have weight heavy enough to make squats bad. Mm. And so I wanted to make my legs 
pretty wrecked from the lunges, single leg movement. So by the time I got to the squats, which was my last movement, I didn't need 225 pounds. So I did 30 reps walking lunges. I wasn't allowed to put the weight down, went straight into 20 squats with dumbbells. And that took what might've been, you know, a 225 weight, it put it at 100 and it was it was rough. It was really tough. So I had two 50 pound dumbbells and that's how I did it. I took two minutes rest and I did that five times. Um, so the presses, they, you know, I started out at I think 14 and it dropped down each set, but I kept it at that two reps before failure, uh, type of the same feeling. So at the end, eight felt like the first set of 14 did. I set them down for about 30 seconds so that I knew my shoulders wouldn't give out when I went from lunges into the squats. Um, And so there's another little thing that you can do if you know, all right, I'm going to do squats today, but I only have 135 pounds and I can squat 315. It's like 135 isn't going to do much for me. So what can you do? Go do a you know, max or do jumping lunges for one minute, Mm -hmm. max effort, and then put the barbell on your back. You have pre fatigued your legs. You don't need 315 anymore. I guarantee it. So you can, uh, do something like that. If we take another movement, for example, uh, say you like to bench press and you can bench press 300 pounds and you only have, uh, 50 pound dumbbells. And you're like, Oh man, I'd have to do 50 reps of these to get anything out of it. No, you don't do a max effort set of push-ups or as many push-ups as you can do in one minute. Take 10 seconds to get on the bench and grab the two 50 pound dumbbells. You're going to get like eight of them and your arms are going to give out because you have pre-fatigued your chest or you could do it the other way and do 20 dumbbell bench, go straight into push-ups. Um, so if you don't have enough weight, fatigue the muscle one way and then hit the thing that you have the weights for. Did that make sense? Yeah. And I, so I think um, kind of to, to help the people at home that are listening. So let's just let's take a workout um, that you. So let's say you are a member of a CrossFit gym um, and or just a gym that's offering programming online. Um, so you want to try to stay fit, but you also don't want to lose a lot of strength. And so, um, you know, we'll just take. Let's look at what our workout was um, for today on our gym, and then we can kind of point into like what cum- or, or uh, what you're saying, and put it into context as far as the workout goes. Um, today's a really bad one because we already built that into uh, hypertrophy into the workout itself. I was um, say, today was today was quite a rough shoulder workout. Yeah. All right, so let's just say this one right here. Um, so. Today's work or yesterday's workout was four time. We had uh, 50 devil presses um, at the top of each minute. We we're doing uh, three to five push ups. And so the goal there was to get 50 devil presses done. Um, if you've never done a devil press, it's like a burpee and you do kind of like a kettlebell swing into a press with a dumbbell. Um, and so people were doing somewhere between, you know, most people were finishing like. Uh, under 10 minutes, but uh, so that was leaving them with somewhere between 30 and 50 push-ups, and then they were doing the 50 devil presses, which also had a push-up each time. So they were getting somewhere between um, 30 and 100 push-ups. And so um, if you look at that workout, it's really shoulder dominant. It's got a little bit of low back, hamstring uh, in there. So you should feel those, and but you really should feel a tremendous amount of that workout in your shoulders and your chest. So if we take that context and we say all right, well, I don't have a barbell to do heavy bench press. I don't have the ability to, like, 
you know, do my typical like shoulder press and that type of thing. So how do I take a 25 pound dumbbell or maybe a 35 pound dumbbell? Um, and I want to continue to maybe hit my chest a little bit more and my shoulders a little bit more so that, um, I can get this hypertrophy look to look good naked cause I don't I have limited equipment. So what's one of the ways that um, using the, everything you just said to be able to do that and hit shoulders and chest, uh, with that same dumbbell in that same context. So like they already did the devil press workout they did and they want to add in something yeah, else. Yeah, they're trying to add something. <clears throat> in. All right. So if they add in something else to that, they have, let's just say they have one dumbbell. Um, that's where even at 25 pounds, all right, you have one dumbbell, I would say 10 minutes. All right. I'm going to give you a two minute rest in between each one. Uh, lay on a bench or lay on the floor. If you don't have it, we're going to do floor press with that 25 pound dumbbell. And you're going to do floor press as a Tabata. Mm. And so you have, what is it, 20 seconds of work, 10 seconds rest. And on the 10 second rest, you have to hold the dumbbell up above your head. Yep. So you can never stop. You're going to get round one, two, and three, and you're going to be like, oh, this isn't too bad. By round four, five, six, seven, eight, you're going to get like three presses. Yep. Um, and so now all of a sudden you are getting to where you're going to have like five sets where you are at failure with a 25 pound weight and the only reason i would give you a rest between your left and right arm is so that your other arm is not limited by your breathing because by the end of it you're going to be breathing hard so i want you to take enough rest that your breathing doesn't mess up the i guess hypertrophy muscle part um of the next thing so i would say to bottom right arm, two minute rest. To bottom left arm, and you're done. Yeah, and that so that would be like an example of a, a way to hit the chest um, in a metabolic stress. So you're trying to create a ton of reps in a very short amount of time, and that's increasing that intensity. And so, uh, again, going back to our examples, we don't have a heavy barbell, so we've created the metabolic stress through time domain coming down, the amount of reps going up. The other way you can look at that just um, is the temp. Now you could add the tempo. So as just as Travis said, let's say all you had is the dumbbell. Um, you know you're doing sets of maybe 15 or 20, but you're doing a three to five second negative uh, with that dumbbell press. Um, or you know you did uh, push-ups in the workout. Maybe you do uh, something to where uh, like a drop set with push-ups with um, a box. So let's say you do a max push-ups on the ground. You stand up and you do max push-ups on a box. So almost a failure on the ground. You stand up. You you make the push-up easier, but you go for max again till you can't do them anymore. And that would be another example of metabolic stress um, or using the drop set and then the tempo in there, you know, the three to five seconds down. Same scenario. You could go bench press uh, with it, that single arm dumbbell. You come down for five seconds. You go up for three down for five, up for three. So you slow the motion down and that's going to, again, create a lot of uh, muscle hypertrophy uh, reaction or adaptation in the muscle. Yeah. And I think one way to judge this of like, am I doing this right? If we go for a three rep max, so I tell someone, all right, I want a three rep max back squat. They can get done with that three rep max, rack the bar. And I'm like, all right, where did you feel that? And they're like all over. My, it felt heavy on my back, my legs felt heavy, my sh even on my shoulders, like they're saying everything. And you go, well, what about your legs? Yeah, it was tough to stand up. It's completely different than what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. If I tell you we're doing the Tabata, if I go back to mine, Tabata chest press, um, whether it's on the floor or bench press on a bench, 
by set number four, if I say, where do you feel this? You should almost be, I mean, you should be sweating. Uh, you should almost have like tears coming down because your chest, you can feel it starting to burn. Um, so whenever we're talking higher reps, there's going to be a very burning feeling in the muscle. Whereas if we're just going really heavy weight, your whole body feels it. You do a one rep max bench press and your chest doesn't necessarily fatigue out. It's just really heavy weight, uh, whatever that is for you. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we drop that weight way down and I make you do 20 of them and your max would be 22, that muscle is going to start burning probably around like 15, 14. And, but you still have some left that you can do. Um, so whatever target, muscle group you're going for the way to know like okay am i hitting it or something like that is this is a really good time also to do a mind muscle connection type thing and so when you're if you're taking yours and you're doing shoulder press and you're going up above your head then as you're pressing that dumbbell up this is what time under tension really helps out with too as you're pressing that thing up think about your shoulder working as you're coming down really slow don't just try let the weight fall down you know, really think about, okay, my shoulder is what's lowering this thing or on a press, my chest is what's pressing this thing. And if you can make that mind muscle connection and you start feeling the burn in the muscles, then you're, you're using them. Um, and so this is a big one of, you know, a lot of times when we do CrossFit for time, people are just trying to get the weight as mm -hmm. quick as possible. This is a completely different thing. And like, that's not the goal of this. The goal of this is perfect form and make the movement where it hits exactly where you want. Yeah. And that's, I was just about to say that that's probably like one of the, the downfalls of a lot of traditional CrossFit programming is uh, it's about speed. It's about, um, you know, how many reps can you do? And it's not about slowing the movement down and doing, uh, feeling the mind to muscle connection uh, that you might would feel. And so, um, if you can do that at the end of a workout, you should be able to look and feel, as you said, what, what the workout hit. And then if you want to add, you know, some extra strength or hypertrophy to that, then just feel like if you're doing, if the, today's workouts, thrusters and, and, uh, I don't know, burpees, like your legs are probably ate up. Yeah. Um, and so it would, you want to create the uh, the hypertrophy or the continue to gain the strength in those legs that you want to keep, you might would do uh, that tempo work with either it could be thrusters again or it could be just regular squats so that you can supplement in from what's happening at home. Because in all honesty, right now, uh, most people are just looking to buy time. Yeah. Um, it's like, all right, until I get back to the gym. And that's, that's okay. Um, but you know, you should definitely like not feel like that you have to get worse during this time. Right. Some, repairing the joints, repairing the tissue and tempo work and that type of stuff is so, uh, so good for, uh, those type things. And you can get really strong, um, or, you know, really fit looking per se with, uh, with this type of training, even if you're, you know, just doing body, body weight. Yeah. And one, one thing that I always warn people against is they'll say, you know, how many reps should I do? Well, you know, if I have a, a CrossFit workout, I've given you that amount of reps. Mm -hmm. In this type of stuff, there's not really a specific amount. So it depends on how much weight did you grab? What is your max? If you decide, okay, I want to get muscle hypertrophy and I want to go do lunges, we are looking for 
most of these things to fall within that two rep to failure range. If you decide to do body weight lunges until two reps to failure, that literally means that like if you do one more or two more lunges per leg, you're going to fall on the ground and you can't do another one. If you're doing body weight, you might make it 800 meters. You're going to get to meter 400 and it's going to start hurting really bad. Yep. And that's why I tell people like it's easier to use weight. I usually use an 8 to 12 or 8 to 15 rep range because past that, the mental ability to keep on going, maybe you get 20, but you could get 45. That's really, really, really tough mentally. And I don't want to do it, so I don't do it. Like mm-hmm. I try to pick a uh, you know, weight that I can only do for 15 because if I can do it more than that, it, it gets really tough to say I can only do two more. It's usually like – yeah, I might have five more in me, but this hurts really bad, so I'm going to stop. So that's where the time under tension comes in of, okay, I've got 35-pound dumbbell. I know I can knock out 50 of these. What's going to make it where I can't knock out 50? All right, I'm either going to tempo it and go slow down, and all of a sudden when I get to 15, I can't push it back up, or I'm going to do a set of max effort push-ups right before I grab that dumbbell, and now I can only get 12 of them too. Yep. Um, but if you're if you're taking things and you're only going body weight, then big recommendation is like start with something else. Do a 200 meter sprint and then do max effort air squats in 30 seconds, and the sprint is going to make the air squats way worse. Yep. Um, yeah, and um, I you know. Obviously, if this is really confusing for you, um, it's really hard to explain. And so um, hopefully we've given you that those that might have a little bit of training experience, you you uh, and you listen to this, it probably makes a lot of sense to you. But if this is like all brand new to you and like, you know, you're you've always just been used to someone giving you workouts. Good news is um, you can listen to this podcast and uh, we've taken our entire gym online. So uh, we can do everything virtually now. We used to just be able to do nutrition coaching, but now we can do everything. So you can join our uh, Proverb Fitness uh, group. We have designed workouts for you every single day, uh, Zoom classes that you can jump in. And if you're interested in this, the hypertrophy side of things, you can get an individual program that would be designed either around the Zoom classes or if you don't want to do our classes, that's cool too. We can design a, uh, a hypertrophy or a muscle building plan around very, very limited equipment, and you don't even have to think about it. So you don't have to apply what metabolic stress is, what uh, tempo training is, what principle of overload. You don't have to know all those things because you can hire someone to do it for you. Um, and, you know, a lot of these gyms are closed, but the coaches are still working. All right? we're, out, we're still out here helping people get fit. And so if you're one of those people um, that just needs that help, then we can do it for you. Yeah. And that way you don't have to think about it. Because I know some people, like, again, if this is, like, all brand new, you're probably like, what is metabolic stress again? I don't understand. And you're thinking, like, what kind of movements can I do? I don't get it. They said bench press. What's that mean? All that good stuff. We can help you do that. So um, if you're interested, uh, you can hit us up either on our nutrition page, which is www.forgebyfood.com, or you can hit us up on our – get a free discovery call on both of those, but on the um, www.proverbfitness.com. It's really hard to say www in a row really fast. (laughs) Um, Or you can hit us up on our Instagram handles, which is at forgedbyfood, at proverbfitness, which will all be in the show notes, at forgedbybow, or at cruise underscore control. All with a K, and again, that'll be in the show notes. So 
Everybody stay safe. Wash your hands. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.